Everybody, wipe that smile off your face. Wipe it. Did what I said. Smile. That's right. You're listening to Sunday School Bonanza, which brings you gospel doctrine review. And the fool on the other end is Mr. Uh, Mr. Al. C'est moi. C'est moi. I'm forced to admit. Je vous. Je vous. <laughs> Incidentally, we're making children in primary learn to sing in French. It's a disaster. That's another... Oh, that sounds like a great idea. It's terrible. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, This week's lesson is lesson 27. They must... ...needs be chastened and tried, even as Abraham. So we're talking about the saints and being chastened and tried, even though the purpose of the lesson ostensibly is to help us build Zion. Is that the purpose of the lesson? I I get the purpose of the lesson as... That's what it says. Like... if uh, reading through the reading material and stuff, it's how to suffer well, or maybe how to how to be patient or understanding God's timetable. Many many. It, it, yeah. If you don't have a great gospel doctrine teacher, your lesson is going to be awful. So uh, learn about it now. Contribute good things so that everybody that goes doesn't have to have an awful time. This is what this is why we're here. Yeah. This is what so, we're doing. Uh, your sections of note: uh, sections one hundred one, one hundred three, one hundred five. These aren't light sections. These are like heavy reading. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good doctrine in here. Deep, uh, like, need to think about doctrine in here. Um, so you can't just brush over them. So take some time. Uh, yeah, these get are, through them. These are not, yeah, these are not catchphrase meme chapters or anything like right. that. These are ones that are just have just it's solid. It's hearty, wood-chopping, Missourian style. So for a little background, uh, if you remember... The saints lived in Missouri and in Kirtland concurrently during a period. So there were really just two poles for the church and for everything that was going on. Right. Yeah, they had, they had moved out from New York to, uh, to Kirtland and then again to, uh, to Missouri, not, not as a migration, but more as just to build up other centers of strength. And then persecution worsened in Kirtland, and, uh, and that sort of shut down. Yeah, though interestingly, weren't over. the first saints to go to Missouri, not actually in Kirtland? Weren't they in New York, and they just went straight over to... Missouri. Yeah, the, well, they yeah, by way of Kirtland. Way, they stopped in, you know, they said hi. They're like, I'm not staying in Ohio. Ohio? No. They said, oh, that's some wonderful China you have. Oh, wait, it's in the temple now. It's a plaster. <laughs> I, but, I came for the dishes. But uh, anyway, so, so anyways, Joseph Smith went there in 1831, uh, received the revelation in Doctrine and Covenants 57. Sidney Rigdon dedicated the land. They dedicated the temple site in Independence. And then they started gathering members in Missouri as well. And this is great, I think, for Al. I love having Al on this lesson just because he grew up in this whole neck of the woods. Yeah, this is all, home. All this this is home. Down. So it's pretty cool. Now, but they still they did not have the cleanest uh, tenure. In, in well, yeah. So the Saints the Saints moved to Missouri and uh, they move into a very populated area, right? I mean, this is Kansas City. It's or Independence. It's the uh, the the West Kaufman, as West Kaufman as we Stadium. went. Yeah, for sure. And so. <laughs> Yeah, and so, uh, I mean, imagine, if you will, like 800 to several thousand people eventually that all move in in the course of like a year, and uh, they all move to one neighborhood and start building up businesses and buying land, and they shop from each other because Al, are they're you, Mormon. Are you talking about immigrants? I'm, I'm talking, yeah. Are you making an anti-immigration rant? Sort of, no. Okay. No, I'm just saying, I'm saying like, the Missourians, I mean, the Missourians were kind of taken by surprise at this, right? And so uh, the way that they reacted, obviously inappropriate, but like, it, I mean, just a kind of a weird time for everybody because the church, it's not like they came in and brokered a deal. They just said, no, I, well, Jimmy lives here. I'll live next to Jimmy. Let's do that. 
Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was legal. They all moved in, and they they did things under under all the appropriate yep. authority. But I I could imagine, obviously, if you saw this this set of outsiders, quote unquote, move in and suddenly become the majority, and very much live in an insular sort of way, as Mormons even I think still to this day are prone to doing when because yeah. there's strength in numbers. You could understand how you could uh, you could rub people the wrong way a little bit. Well, so they they move there. Do you have a race car outside your house? That would be a truck probably cleaning up debris from the tree apocalypse we had after a thunderstorm recently. Oh, that's exciting. That's right. I thought NASCAR was running outside I, your I window. I know. It's, very, it's, it's a big deal. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, the Saints, I mean, after they've settled in Missouri, they bought their homes, built, like, put good industry into this. They're driven out. The, the Missourians react with violence. Um, they burn their homes. They drive them uh, out of there. Yeah. And it's kind of a crummy time for them because the saints at the time, I mean, these are people that are trying to do the, as best as they know what the Lord wants, right? And so it begs the question, I, I'm I'm guessing in their mind, it begs the question of, we're doing everything you want. Like, why aren't things working out in our favor? Which I think a lot of us have similar questions often as somebody passes away or we lose a job but, or whatever it is. But they weren't doing everything perfectly. And the Lord was quick to remind them that in section 101, that it was because of their transgressions, because of forgetting the Lord. He said that he allowed at least these things to happen to them. And in a sense to teach them which, a lesson. Which is, do not that's kind me. of a, that's sort of a hard yeah. response, right? Like when I go to the Lord, I expect a, well, sometimes bad things happen to good people, and I'll make it right in the end. I don't expect a, well, if you remember, the agreement was that you would be obedient, that you'd be faithful, that you'd do all, you know, that all these other things, you'd make sure that you were doing correctly, and you failed on your end of the bargain. You know what's what's interesting when you think about this, though? Let me ask you, who is the God of the Old Testament? God. But Jesus. Who is the God of the New Testament? God. Jesus on the earth, but Heavenly Father, of course, plays a Jesus. Role. Who is the God in the Book of Mormon? God. You have, 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 you have some Heavenly Father stuff more. I can almost, I almost feel like the harsher, more draconian language seems to come from whenever Jehovah is the one directly. You feel like, like cause the Doctrine you feel like he's the angry guy. Doctrine and Covenants is very much more in line with, I, I think, the Old Testament than it is with the Book of Mormon and the New Testament, as far as uh, things that are taught there. Well, I, I think a lot of it is is sort of, I mean, the New Testament you don't have you don't have people migrating, right? Like it's not like a, a big take my church and move it across this, the country. Um, there, it's more like f- sort of the micro level of the of the gospel and the Old Testament and the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants are like a macro level. Here's here's the gospel as a whole, and so you only see the extreme. Uh, examples of this stuff, which yeah. I mean, keep that in mind. It's not so much that God is mean. So, <laughs> so, so we get in there though, and and uh, I mean, the instruction the Lord gives them is that this happened because of their transgression. Um, they needed to be chastened and tried. There's there's several reasons for this though. I mean, the Lord uses this. Uh, we we can read in Isaiah how he reads how he does this as well. Where um, you know he he says I I had to like drive you out. Otherwise, you would have said my idol had blessed me, exactly. right? Yeah, and so, so I Old feel like Testament, one, once again, interesting. <laughs> mm, yes, uh, you know, but he says, "I've refined thee; I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction." He does that so that we, I mean, so that we're kind of starting from zero, right? Like, I feel like for us, if we were right. grateful enough to the point where the the Lord knew that when He blessed us, um, that we would give the glory back to Him, you know, that He would be. 
the one that we acknowledged as you know his hand in that. Yeah. I feel like it'd work great. Um, but when we when we run the risk of forgetting that of of like look at look at how great I am, look at how great this is done for me, which I'm assuming is where the saints were at this point, not of how great they were, but like forgetting the Lord. Um, he he chastens them very readily, which we all. I mean, that's why we have. Trials. But he does give them promises. That's the thing to remember. After chastening them, he does show compassion towards them, especially in verses uh, like nine through nineteen of section one hundred and one. He taught. He says that like he won't cast them off and would be merciful in the day of wrath. His indignation would fall upon their enemies. For example, save save and ga- gather. Sorry, and comfort them. Uh, and that Zion would be redeemed. So there are great promises these, to come, and that's a great pattern. No, these are terrible promises. No. How comforting How comforting is that of like, I will be well, merciful we're kinda, to you? Come on, that's good. We're kind of hosing you right now, but, uh, but you know, do what's right, and I'll be good. No, well, he's, he promises right. to them. He says that my indignation I don't like these promises. I don't love them. You don't like the promises I wouldn't. Zion? These would not inspire me if I was being driven out barefoot in the, in the snow. I'd be like, all right, thanks, thanks for thanks for being so gracious. All right, so moving on then. Zion, it's a hard place. No, it's over. Yeah. Zion's camp in our winning moments here. Interesting tale, Zion's camp. I find for a little background, because the Saints had such trouble in Jackson County, they actually petitioned the governor, who was Daniel Dunklin, a, a bit nicer than old Boggs, I guess. And he said he'd be. They wanted him to help them out in restoring their homes to protect them. He said he would help them out if they would sort of organize their own militia for their own protection. So, in 1834, Joseph Smith uh, received word of this in Kirtland, and he organized a group of men to march a thousand miles to Missouri and to carry relief to the Saints to protect them or whatever. And this is what was called Zion's Camp, and we see this in Doctrine now, and Covenants 103. Now, Zion's Camp is Zion's Camp is an interesting study because these people marched a thousand miles and then didn't fight. They didn't do anything. They got there and and, uh, yeah. and peaceably moved, right? And so again, again, I mean, the Lord is is teaching. That's a long hike. That's a lot of walking, leaving your wives and children and mm-hmm. and heading down there. And people, and died. then to get there, I mean, yeah. Well, and then to get there and like do nothing is like, well, come on now. What is the Lord looking for here? So there's a lot of like the Lord has a lot of this stuff where He's teaching through these like the series of of disappointments almost um, where. Where it's almost like he refines by saying, "Well, keep going a little bit further." You'll remember in Joseph Smith when he had the first vision, right? The at the moment, you know, it got dark. Satan was there. Everything was happening, and then right at his moment of despair, right at that the that edge when he pushed him right to the edge, that's when the light comes, um, which is true for did, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's true yeah. for all of us, right? The Lord knows us, and if He can push us a little bit further, He has to push us to that point. Well, one of the most interesting things in Zion's camp, especially, is it was obviously a tool to sort of uh, early a refiner's fire for future leadership within the church. Yeah, a lot of key players in future church history were part of Zion's camp, and they were the ones who stuck by the prophet's side even when things got dicey, when there was a bit of attrition, when people were ill. Uh, there's a wonderful quote from Brigham Young when he was actually asked, you know. After he returned to Kirtland, they asked him about it. And they said, what have you gained from this then? And he said, just what we went for. I would not exchange the knowledge I have received this season for the whole of this country. And I think that's really good. It's the right mindset. Obviously, Brigham Young was put in a position to uh, become an apostle and then later the leader of the church. And so uh, Zion's Camp, incredible refiner's fire. I always love it, though, from the missionary videos or the uh, Doctrine and Covenants video. It's a great one. It's just terrific. Uh, Yeah, well, and again, I mean... Zion's camp, like, think about parallels in your own life of things that maybe, you know, sometimes we're led with a carrot 
down a path and then the path changes and then we're you know we're supposed to go a different direction we get halfway there and it's something unexpected we didn't see it coming and a lot of times we'll respond with frustration or anger or disappointment when like keep your eye on the end goal right because that's where we're going and how and also this. remember that the Lord's way of blessing us might not be the end goal that we foresee. Many of these people thought the end goal was to go and perhaps deliver the saints in Missouri, even through combat or what have you, to really protect them. They didn't see what the real grand purpose of it was until after the fact. And so many times I think that the Lord teaches us and communicates with us in ways that we don't plan on. And we have to be willing to accept that and to to really inculcate it into our lives. And... and uh, just kind of in closing, if if I can, Jeff, I'll go a little bit off script here. Yeah, uh, there's this in section 58 of the of the Doctrine and Covenants. The Lord has a a moment where he's talking to um, Joseph Smith and to the saints, right? And he says he says a couple of things here in verses two and three and four. He says, "For verily I say unto you, blessed is he that keepeth my commandments, whether in life or death. He that is faithful in tribulation, the reward of the same is greater in the kingdom of heaven." And then I love this this part right here. He says, Ye cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time the design of your God concerning those things which shall come hereafter and the glory which shall follow after much tribulation. For after much tribulation come the blessings. Um, I love that I love that visualization of of ye cannot behold with your natural eyes, right? Like when when times get tough, look try and you know in your mind's eye, like look the up. eye single to the glory of God type of thing. What is the Lord seeing here? Um, and often he will bless you with that vision. He'll he'll help you have understanding in your moments of trial um, when you need it. Because if you can just try and see how he's seeing it, it helps a lot. Yeah, look up. I believe yeah. President Uchtdorf said that. I think that's a good way to go out on the lesson. Also, read section 105. It talks about waiting sort of for the actual redemption of Zion. Some good verses there that you can get into. Some interesting doctrine on light. And anecdotally, my, cool fa- my favorite part of this was watching the old video for the Zion's camp in Spanish when the guy rides on the horse and says he's going to kill all of them. But in Spanish, he used the formal ustedes because it, it's South American. And it would just make us laugh in Spain because it's a guy saying he's going to kill you, but like in a polite way <laughs> because of South American <laughs> Spanish. And we start, we're, we're vosotros snobs in Spain. So whatever. But I just every time I watched it, we'd snicker. Unrelated. I'm sorry for sharing that. Anyway. I'm sorry. It just, it just popped in my head right there. It was funny. Uh, great moments here, folks. Sunday School Bonanza is brought to you by This Week in Mormons. Well, you can find This Week in Mormons at, believe it or not, thisweekinmormons.com or facebook.com slash thisweekinmormons. Yeah, or shoot us an email, contact at thisweekinmormons.com or on Twitter at the Real Twim. We love being tweeted at and we will respond. Yes, and of course, find you. this on iTunes or Stitcher Radio and uh, YouTube as well. This is, of course, once again, lesson number 27 from the Church History and Doctrine and Covenants Manual. It is entitled, They Must Needs Be Chastened and Tried Even as Abraham. Old Testament once again. Interesting, Al. So uh, Mm. thanks for being here, Al. We appreciate you jumping in with us. No problem, man. Have a great week, Jeff. Nice to have you folks. Hope you have a great Sunday, and we hope this is useful, and this has been Sunday School Bonanza, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.